Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Passion Project, the podcast about passionate people and the things that drive them. I'm your host, Taylor Reed. Welcome, welcome, you guys. Welcome, you passion heads, to another episode of Passion Project, episode 56, you guys. I'm so excited, uh, so elated for you guys to join us here on Passion Project. Welcome to the project. <clears throat> um, I haven't said that in a while. Welcome to the project. Maybe that's why my my uh, voice cracked a little bit there. But anyway, uh, so appreciate if you guys chose to uh, uh, take the time out of your day to listen to this episode, um, whether it's you know on the day it released or f- next week or a month or a year from now or ten years from now. Wow, ten years from now that would be crazy, man. If you're listening to this and 2031 um hello hope you're doing well (laughs) hope you're hope you're still kicking um (laughs) anyway i'm appreciative either way and i thank you to all of our listeners who return each week if you are new with us welcome to the show uh if you enjoyed the episode share it with all your friends and your family and your coworkers and your dog walkers and all of you know anyone that goes on a road trip or you know any of these things uh, if you enjoyed the show um share it on all your social media platforms like us on social media all of that down below in the show notes passionproject.pod Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that fun stuff. Uh, Also, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a star rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, Also, a new fun thing, uh, you also can support the show uh, if you guys want to help me uh, keep doing this show for as long as I can. Uh, you guys can support the show, uh, be greatly appreciative, all of that in the show notes below, uh, and also on our website, www.passionprojectpod.org as well, if you want to visit that. This week on Passion Project, we have, uh, what a just wonderful human, truly, I've had, you know, I've had a lot of incredible guests, but just such a fun episode to record, we had so much fun recording this, um, we deep dive into a lot of different things. Um, Hallie Rockwell is on the show this week, you guys, as you can see. Uh, she is a middle and high school English teacher. She has been teaching for the past five years. Um, so we go into that, of course. Um, we also talk about a very significant loss in her life that happened early on uh, in her life and how that kind of affected um, not only her personal life, but also her career uh, and uh, kind of where she sees herself going in the next couple of years and what she's doing, which is super exciting. So I'm very grateful for Hallie for taking out the time, uh, taking the time to be on the show. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. So without further ado, here is episode 56 with Hallie Rockwell on Passion Project. Finding Richard Simmons. I don't know if you listened to that one that was out a few years ago. It's just so interesting to hear someone like just go so intensely into 
a single idea um or, or topic those are just so fun but yeah I'm like a huge fan <laughs> it's oh, like that's great that's wonderful yeah because sometimes I'll have I mean I've had podcasters on the show and obviously they're I love podcasts but then sometimes I'll have people on and they're like no I don't really listen to <laughs> oh that's okay <laughs> Do you, do you know how the podcast app works? I can't show you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we're doing here, actually, at all? Yes. <laughs> um, well, Hallie Rockwell, thank you so much for coming on the show. Episode 56. I don't know if you knew that, but. Wow. 56 over a year. That's impressive. I know. it has Congratulations. Been thank you. Wait, I started um, February of 2020, which was, you know, right before the world went crazy maybe not the best time but or maybe the best time I don't know <laughs> you know something to do <laughs> as this I felt it's funny because I had you know like six episodes in the can maybe before I actually released everything and I felt like that once COVID hit like everyone then started doing podcast. like everyone was like I want to do a podcast and I was like guys I've been having I've been wanting to do this for like three years so <laughs> right and now it's like all celebrities and it's like okay well <laughs> Yeah. I see how this game has changed. Us little guys are still here. So yes. Well, we're thankful for the little guys. <laughs> um, well, I mean, a lot of the show is really just finding friends that I've had in my life and uh, even acquaintances and sometimes people I don't know that I just like know that they love what they do and I know that they're passionate about what they do. And so I want to share like that into the world um so yeah, I, I was happy that um we were able to do this well thank you so much for having me on I appreciate it yeah for those that don't know I mean you know we go pretty far back I mean we we've known each other I don't know if you knew this I was thinking about this before we um you know got on is that like we you did like really uh, homeschool stuff with my family like way back in the day like with like with my brother like oh yeah we were tiny like little kids (laughs) like with uh I mean I'm gonna name drop this not like a super but like Miss Reese I don't know if you remember oh yes oh my gosh yeah I forgot that Heath and I were in yeah that was like how long ago experience okay honestly I've like that was a very challenging experience for me I know it's like traumatic (laughs) so I like just got taken back to her house we can yes, smell it, it now like at her house like looking back I'm like was this legal who knows no right like, hmm. yeah. also that's like a pretty decent side hustle she made some like bank yeah for- yeah but she did yeah yeah and it was like intent because I think I did that whatever the curriculum was for like two years but it was like writing and it was the institute for excellence in writings curriculum um yeah it's very intense I learned a lot I'm pretty like I I benefited from it I feel like I I it didn't hurt me in the long run just (laughs) short term was emotionally traumatizing it probably wasn't even that bad you know just was dramatic well and then you know of course I've had many people on the show that we did theater together I don't know do we do shows together I can't remember if we we probably did but I'm sure we did Cause I know, I, I know Hannah was in a couple of shows with you, but I'm yeah, I'm sure trying right now to think Hannah, my sister, but you, you also have a sister. I know right? everyone has Hannah's. I feel like <laughs> my husband has, a, I have a sister-in-law, Hannah and a oh sister, Hannah. So now we have to be like my Hannah or your Hannah. Um, well, anyway, so yes, this is common. <laughs> my brother dated someone named Taylor for a long time and we, yeah. <laughs> 
and we used to say brote and bete that's how we like distinguished it um (laughs) that's amazing he's married to someone else and it's not a problem so perfect problem solved um yeah I'm sure we did show together I don't remember I feel like we probably did a class or two together as well that's true that's Um, true we probably did yeah yeah. So, I mean, what I'm really trying to say, we've known each other a very long time. And yes. Isn't it just fun to like see where everyone has gone, like from that? Oh, yeah. Group that we did, like everyone's just in so many. I mean, of course, there are the people that stuck with theater, but then ever, like, honestly, so many people didn't. I know. Because <laughs> it is hard. It is a hard life and obviously the pandemic impacted uh, yeah. people's goals as well, which is just so wild um, to think about. Uh, and I'm rooting for everyone to mm-hmm. be, that wants to be back on the stage or the yeah. screen to be there. I will pay to see them. I, know. I, know. I will support the arts. It is not my calling, but I know. I'm I know. glad to see yeah. other people pursuing it. I feel very similarly and my wife does too, thankfully. I married someone that really wants to go support live theater and you know live things that I'm like yes we're getting back to it Uh, I know it feels so good (laughs) (laughs) Um, well so I like to start out from the show of course you are a teacher so we're going to talk about that and all those fun things but I like to start out just getting background in history because I mean I was a psych major and I'm in mental health so I think and I've talked about this on the show before of how like so much of your life as an adult is so shaped by like the environment that you grew up in and Mm -hmm. the people the the siblings that were surrounded you were surrounded with you know not by choice because you had to be (laughs) and all of that so I love to get like the background on people but um tell me like were you born and raised in Virginia or, or what was what's your backstory yeah, so uh, briefly, I was born in Virginia um, to uh, to wonderful people, and my whole extended family is all now in Virginia um, as well. So I grew up surrounded by grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins. My farthest family members lived like 30 minutes away from me. Um, So very uh, interconnected Mm -hmm. and um, super supportive environment. Um, And I have two younger sisters and a brother. Um, We're pretty close in age. So my brother's the youngest. He and I are seven years apart. Um, And then my sister Hannah is two years younger than me. My sister Meg is basically four years younger than me. Um, so close in age and we are still really close, um, which yeah. is amazing. My siblings well, are my years, best friends. Even seven years is like, that is a pretty big gap. Like if you're 17, he's 10. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and like now I'm 27, he's turning 20 next yeah. month. And Wait, um, I cannot fathom that, that he's turning 20. <laughs> I know I can't either. It's just like my baby brother is like so grown up. Um, yeah. So it, it definitely felt like a bigger age difference uh, when we were younger. Yeah. Um, now is he is like interested in the same things that I'm interested in, or at least I can like have a conversation with him about what interests him beyond like sports yeah. or well, whatever. Say right. Of like you grow closer as you get older, like, and it really yes. is true. Like my brother and I, like my br- sister and I were pretty cl- always close, but my brother and I have gotten a lot closer as we've gotten older, even though he yeah. lives like on the other side of the country. But 
it's just crazy how that works. Like everyone says that forever and it just like works out that way. Maybe not yeah. for everyone, but for a lot of people I found that. <laughs> yeah, it's worked out that way for me. So I'm really, I'm really thankful. Um, yeah, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I was uh, either private school or homeschooled on and off for all of my uh, primary and secondary education. Um, and that was a, a very interesting and uh, <laughs> I think a perspective, which is, it's very odd to be someone who only went to private school or was homeschooled, who is now a teacher. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah. It gives me very um, interesting perspective on on school. Anyways, we can, we can talk about that in a a little bit, but I do. (laughs) Yeah. I was homeschooled too for my entire, I never even went to private school. I was just, I mean, I did like co-ops and stuff, but like, Mm -hmm. um, which for those that don't know is like, I, I say it's like a homeschool. It's a school for homeschoolers is basically what it is. That's what Uh, I say too. It's kind of like um, college, honestly, where you have like, yeah, yeah. You have homework Mm -hmm. and you have teachers and you, but I liked college more than my co-op, so. I uh, guess, yeah, same. It's a little bit more, like, going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, it's, it is interesting to, uh, to look, yeah, like, how um, with homeschooling and all of that, like, I've never, like, ridden a school bus. I've never ridden a school bus ever. I only have a handful of times to take kids on field trips and it was terrible. So I don't feel like I missed out on anything. And and I always say that and people and everyone, you know, that's been to public school is like, oh, you're not missing out. But I'm like, but also like, I've never ridden one. So it is, I am sure sometime in your lifetime, you will experience it, but, and then you'll be like, Hmm, cool. But also Hmm. like, like cafeteria or also, or even like, like the scheduling of public school like how there's different at least in high school I think there's like different things on like I never understood that like I had friends that went to um that were homeschooled up until high school and they went to public school and they were trying to explain it to me and I would be like I don't understand this (laughs) it's definitely has like its own I its own pros and cons everything has pros and cons (laughs) absolutely um yeah so it's really kind of funny like Mm. yeah I didn't I didn't go on to a public school that had A days and B days or block schedule. I've only right. experienced those from the perspective of being an educator. Um, well, I guess so you kind of did funny. during COVID too a little bit. You had those like block days, I guess. Oh, yes. <laughs> and like all kinds of days during COVID. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every type of day. Uh, yes. I, I think I've experienced most styles of uh, uh, structuring the school day um, as you can at this One point in my career. One might say that homeschooling maybe prepared you for COVID. I mean... One might say that. I, I don't know if I, I hadn't thought of it that way. And I, I might agree with you. Uh, yeah, I could no. see that being the case. Uh, definitely being okay with like, yeah, learning happens at home. We'll yeah, be yeah, fine. Yeah. Something to think about when we're done, you know. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Give it another two years and yeah. studies have come out. Then I'll draw some conclusions. Right, right, right. Uh, well, tell me, because you're the oldest, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Um do you like being all this like tell me your thought obviously you don't know anything else but like you can't well I mean oldest siblings are the best so you know I'm the youngest (laughs) so we're I don't know I can't (laughs) yeah I know I think I think being the oldest has I as with all things like benefits to it um and not benefits to it um I mean my parents were definitely the most strict with me Mm. and had 
uh, high expectations for me and what it would look like for me to be a uh, role model and setting the standard for what uh, it would be to be a Carol um, for my my siblings. So that is um, something that your parent like because I've talked to older siblings before, and sometimes it's spoken and sometimes it's not. But it definitely that is something you felt. From it was them. it was more spoken. Yeah, it was like be like, what are you doing? Get yourself together. Like you're you're setting an example for your siblings. Yeah. Um, and as like a uh, adolescent who had a quick temper and uh, who <laughs> did not want to take. And did theater. Like I'll, automatically when I say like people did, when I think of theater kids, it's like we're overly dramatic anyway. Oh like. yeah. I was like short temper, overly dramatic. So they had to remind me a lot that I was a standard bear for our family, at least within our home. So which now um, definitely I assume high- as you've gotten older, you probably like being the leader, but I oh, maybe as you, when you were younger, you were like, this is the worst. <laughs> yeah. I definitely like took it recently. Like ugh, they are getting away with everything and I have to be the put together one. Um, and, but now as I am an adult and lived my life now for five full years in a very different state than my family and, mm-hmm. um, just all that has happened in the last five years, I think that, um, I see as something that I feel actually really uniquely gifted for and my personality and temperament. And I think it took a while and to find my place as the older sibling, um, particularly in adult relationships with my siblings. But I think that we, at least for the season of life that we're in right now, um, have kind of found our, our places and how we work together um, yeah. as, a, as a family unit. Yeah as adults I know it is strange when you yeah when you all become adults it's like oh yeah I guess we're we're all doing like I don't know it's just like because you've lived so long I I don't know I found I've heard and I've heard a lot of people say this like whenever you go home you always revert back to like you know like your 12 year old self (laughs) which is definitely sometimes the case yes (laughs) but then as an adult you're like but I'm also an adult, but it's like the dichotomy, right? Of like, which one do I act like right now? <laughs> right. And it's like, I want to be a grown up so badly, but really, I just cannot handle this. Yeah, this is had, so ridiculous. I remember a couple, like three years ago, I was, or two years ago, I was working in like a coffee shop and there was this freshman, like college freshman that was like, oh, I can't wait to like get out and be an adult. And I was like, you have no idea, like, just like enjoy your time. <laughs> yes, like this is special, <laughs> sacred time. Like, I know, I it is like, magical. There are definitely great things about being an adult, but most of the time it is stressful. It's very stressful. <laughs> yes, it is very stressful. There's a lot of responsibility yeah. that comes with being an adult as well. Like you and I are both married and we have people we can like lean on to, but um, yes. yeah, I, and not, and not that like single people, don't have that either but (laughs) it's good to have a teammate yeah yeah for sure well I I do want to touch upon of course um unfortunately your father did pass away Mm -hmm. and I was it 2012 is that when it was I think I was Mm -hmm. thinking back to it um when it was I I honestly in my head I was like thinking about the show that you guys were doing at the time and I was like when was the math and all of that Um, yeah it was March 2012 yeah. yeah Mm-hmm. And you were 16, is that right? 
I was 17. I'm I graduated 17. from high school that May. So oh it was wow. <laughs> very wow. hard. I, did, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the things I want to touch, I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, we could probably talk about it for like three hours, to be honest. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and I have. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Go to counseling, everyone. <laughs> yes. 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 I, we're big proponent, proponents of therapy on this show. Yes. Please, everyone. <laughs> Go through any hard time yes. or good yes. time. Just yes. Go to counseling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Process. Learn how to process. Yes. Um, but what I want to ask and kind of tying it into being the oldest sibling, like how much, mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, there's so much I'm sure going through your head of like so much grief that you probably can't even like process it at all. Mm-hmm. But also like, how much did you feel as that oldest sibling, like being, you know, putting on, you know, that face, you know, for your siblings of like being strong. These are just like tropes that I think of. I don't know if that's true, but these are yeah. like things that um, you know media has portrayed of like when that happens like but so anyway I don't know what your experience was like obviously I knew you at the time but I didn't like you know we weren't like talking every weekend (laughs) right yeah yeah so when my dad passed away unexpectedly from an aneurysm while on a run um which is a genetic disorder that we've now really realized significantly runs through our family. Um, and thankfully I don't have an aneurysm. My siblings don't. So, so far so good. Um, but it will be something just like with a a cancer that's genetically linked where you have to do the screenings every so often my siblings and I will have to as well. Um, and so that in and of itself was like such a big deal and like something to process that, I think even that, which feels like such a, I mean, the way that someone dies is obviously not a small thing. Um, but to realize like, oh my gosh, this is like, doesn't just, it's not a freak accident. Right. It's like something right. that something actually that could have to act, not that you wouldn't have to deal with his passing forever, but it's literally something you'll have to deal with forever. <laughs> right. Literally until I die. <laughs> so it's, yeah. like, uh, it's a big deal. And you know, mm-hmm. if there is one, like, the intervention for that is surgery, which is like a very big deal. Um, so I think that in and of itself is just such a big thing to process and, and to process alongside my siblings. And so I, I felt a lot of responsibility. And I think that was one of the moments where I realized like, oh my gosh, I'm with my siblings, like literally forever. Um, I'm not with my siblings, uh, uh, that's just such a dumb thing to say, but I think I realized like, oh, wow, this is like a lifetime I think, and I was at the developmental standpoint uh, when as a 17, 18 year old, where your, your mind is starting to really grow and grasp all these big concepts. Mm -hmm. And one of those concepts is like, oh, wow. Like I have to live forever. And like, you know, as long as I can live and sustain that. And, um, and I do that alongside my siblings. Like they're not just these protagonists slash antagonists, depending on the day, um, in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one component, but specifically speaking to being an oldest sibling amidst loss, I think, yeah, there's like an immense amount of responsibility that I felt for my siblings and for, uh, advocating for them, protecting them and being like a liaison for them between the world. Um, and there is an element to which. I think when, and I don't know, I've only had a parent die when I was young. Um, so I, I can't speak for anyone else's experience, but since my dad passed away, when 
I was the oldest at 17 turning 18 in a few months. Um, there is an, an aspect to which you as the oldest sibling have to step up as like a pseudo spouse slash parent to care for years. So like all of a sudden somebody has to pick up my brother from school Mm -hmm. and like, it's not, my dad isn't the backup. It's me. That's the backup. And I went to college really close to my family. So I actually was able to fill those roles, but that's really an odd position to be in as a 18 year old and a freshman in college and trying to be a college student, but then feeling like working through my own grief and changing identity and all the hard milestones that come with the first five years really of, of someone dying. Um, it's, it was a lot, it was a lot to process. And my mom did not like expect too much from me. She wanted me to still be a college student and have that college experience. And then a lot of burden fell on my sister, Hannah, and then burn fell. So it just happens. It's how it works. And it's not, uh, malicious. I don't, and it wasn't malicious in my family. I don't perceive it to be that way. I don't think my siblings do either. Um, but they do really, uh, it does really impact the way that you like interact with, uh, the world and like interpret. It was hard not to also like begrudge my friends and at college for at times for like seemingly being carefree and like able to do whatever. And then right. I'm like, oh, I have to like go home for Christmas and my dad's not going to be there. And that's going to be the first time ever. And it felt like this, like this immense loss. And they're just like excited to go home. And then I broke my foot going home um, for Christmas. <laughs> like really tragic it was like one thing after the other i was like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me everything's terrible had you already chosen because you went to u of r had you already chosen that school before your dad passed away yeah it's the only school i applied to um well i applied early decision um so it was binding um so i I already knew i was going there because i was wondering because you mentioned you were in the area so i wasn't sure if that had like swayed your decision of like staying in the area but i guess it didn't (laughs) No, it didn't. And I mean, I do think that was providential and because uh, it made it really easy for me to be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to go to school. I think if I'd been really far away, I don't know. Yeah. Can't really go down that path of like ifs and buts, but I don't know if I had been far away, if I would have gone to school that first year. Yeah, 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 yeah. How much did you... And maybe this is a looking back thing. I'm not sure, but like cling to your family in that time of like, these are the only people that know what I'm experiencing. Um, and maybe we, maybe you did have other friends that had similar experiences, but that specific one is very, you know, it is like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know many people that have had your experience. So for me personally. Yeah, there aren't many out there, thankfully. No, um. <laughs> thankfully but, uh, but that is that, I mean, to kind of, in a kind of positive way, like at least you had your family to to go back on of like, oh, you guys know what I'm feeling. You know what I'm, even if like your youngest brother, like even if he didn't know what to say, like how to say it, mm-hmm. at least now maybe you guys could talk. I don't know. What was that? What did, was that something that you found comforting? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think having... Having siblings is such a blessing. Like you're not alone in it. And everyone's experience, even I 
do have two friends whose parents have passed away in the last 10 years from aneurysms. So very, very similar experiences, whereas very, but even their own experience when they, it was very different and how it all played out and how the timing of things. And Mm -hmm. so even when you're in a similar life stage or have a similar thing happen to you, it's incomparable and in many ways. And um, so to have siblings with you, and even though they have their own experiences and interpretations and things that happened or didn't happen and et cetera, you know, we're, we're all our own individual people, but having this shared experience and also this shared loss, I think at sometimes it made it complicated to have siblings. Cause you're like, you're really sad and I'm really sad. And we're both sad together. Mm-hmm. And this feels like just really messy and I don't want it to right. feel messy. Right. Like that, like, Oh, this just feels yucky and I don't want to sit in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think as time goes by, we're also able to speak in a, uh, almost a shorthand to one another about loss or be like, oh, somebody said something. And this just like really made me irritated specifically in, like referring to loss or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And there's no explanation or context needed. It's just like a very simple conversation on um, or being like, oh, I know a commiseration maybe instead yeah. of a, a conversation. And, and that's just such a blessing. It's so, uh, encouraging kind of, I don't know, misery loves company. So Probably not, it's good to allow, not be alone. I wonder if it allows you to, to like, yeah, not feel any judgment about any like grief that you, and the way you process your grief too. Like, yeah, we all process our grief really differently. Right, so in right, some ways right. that was kind of hard. Cause it, mm-hmm. I don't know where, I mean, I can't speak for any, anyone else, but for me, I like, oh, I can only live my own lived experience. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think for me, I'm like, well, this is the way that I'm going to grieve. And so thus it is the only way to grieve. So then someone else, I'm like, what are you doing? That's not how we do this <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think in my less uh, healthy states and less gracious states, it's a little bit harder to, um, to necessarily be with and sit with a sibling, um, mm-hmm. or someone that you're really close to because they're not going to grieve the same way as you. Yeah. And, um, it's, it can be very hard to comfort someone who's grieving while you are grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think 10 years, the loss is still loss. It does like, you still are, I think you always are in a state of grieving to a degree. And I, mm-hmm. I think people will commonly grieve. That's not a radical statement. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe a good reminder though, but not uh, anything that a psychology major would disagree with. Um, knowing how oh, we work as humans, we're always in a state of grieving, but certainly a lot easier, um, more capable burden to, yeah. to carry. And I think as we've all gotten older and had our adult minds, uh, I, it's been good to feel like there are people that I know that have my back are safe places to go. And, um, yeah, there's just no explanation needed. And that's just really nice. Isn't it crazy though, how sometimes like family is supposed to be that, but oftentimes it does, unfortunately, sometimes take an event like that for that to truly be the case. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not saying like that's, that 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 should have happened but like now you know that for sure like you know that for oh. sure. and a lot of people yes. feel that way about their family like there are a lot of people that don't feel that and not yes. saying that they have like 
you know, for someone to die in their family for that to happen. But I mean, it could have been anything else that was, you know, life-changing, but I don't know. I don't know if you agree, but. (laughs) No, I think, I mean, I can, again, I can only speak from my lived experience, but I, I, I mean, I'm certainly thankful. I, we were set up for success of like my parents talking about how we were a team and like, y'all are stuck with each other. So just get with the program. You have, you, sometimes you're just choosing to love the person you don't actually love them, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. with siblings is very true. Um, I think with all relationships, there are definitely days where you're like, this is a choice today. Um, (laughs) we're both married. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, dogs no yes (laughs) actually that's the truth oh dog more than anything goodness but yeah the choice that comes with uh with loving somebody and Mm. and so that was a pretty consistent refrain in my my home growing up so I think then there were patterns that we were set up for in, in some ways for success and um I know that not everybody comes from that context and and or has such consistent relationships with their siblings to, uh, to be as confident in them. And, and they take yeah. time and work and have flex and flows. Like all has not been like wonderful, sugary happiness. Right, like right, it, it right. really is only earned through <laughs> hard times. And we life. still like get really <laughs> mad at each other and be yeah. like, you're being really obnoxious right now. So you mean uh, it's like real life? Like, <laughs> yeah, we're just like humans. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, I think, I mean, I'm sure there are some people that thought, oh, um, you know, they went through this big, horrible loss and now they're so close and they're perfect and they're all the, yeah, I'm sure there are people that thought that. I'm sure if you are one of those people, <laughs> please stop. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> you are wrong. <laughs> uh, well, I want to know, um, like, of course, I'm sure therapy helps you through a lot of times, mm-hmm. like we said. But are there any like specific things that really did help you process like your grief or um, things? I know, like you said, you can only speak specifically to your 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 what how you've processed everything. But um, and and like we also said too, because I want to say it again, like grief is ongoing. It's not you know something that just is on and off all the time. Um, so anyway, I, I'm just, I'm fascinated because even if it is yeah. specific to your experience, like maybe someone else can also gain from it as well. So yeah, no, I would be more than happy to talk about that. Um, well, I will say I didn't go to therapy really until I moved to, I'm currently in St. Louis, Missouri for a few more weeks than I'm in Boston. Um, but I, yeah, lots of change happening. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really consistently start going to counseling until I was in St. Louis, and I've been um, actively in counseling for so even like, many, many years after your dad passed mm-hmm. away. It'd did been you, well. Yeah, okay, like let five. me pause you right here. Did you fight that? Did you fight going to therapy? Were you like, I don't want to go, or no? Well, okay, let me back up. Yeah. So this is what happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a story to tell. I can't wait to say talk about this, but I think it's important to talk about. So I, um, so my dad died in March. I graduated in May, um, from high school. My family went on a week trip to Disney world. Cause what else do you do when you're sad, but go to the happiest place on earth, which was actually a good decision. And I do oh. co-sign. I would make that decision again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we went to Florida for two weeks. Most of that time was spent in Disney. 
And then we came back. I have no idea. Grief, particularly like a traumatic loss is like pretty common to have memory loss and other like components of PTSD, which my whole sibling, my siblings and my mom all experienced to some degree. Mm. Now that I know that I really wish that we had all gone to counseling like immediately, but when you're in it, you just don't no. Um, and I think, you know, this is 2012 and the conversations around mental health and counseling were incredibly different now, 10, almost 10 years ago. Um, and I'm glad that the conversations within the church had seems to really be positively changing, Mm -hmm. but at the time we weren't receiving any guidance, like, Oh, you all need to be going to counseling. This is like a huge traumatic loss. It was like, a lot of encouragement to pray and spend time in the word, which is, was absolutely something that was so incredibly helpful to me in processing my grief and finding language. But I was also really angry at God and felt like, uh, I knew that it was okay to be angry at God and that he could hang, he could handle my anger. And yet I, a prayer in God's word was absolutely not the only tools that I should have had in my tool belt. Um, and by going to counseling earlier on, I think we would have, my whole family would have benefited from it. And I think they would agree, but at the time it just like, wasn't something that people within our context were encouraging us towards. And so anyways, my mom though knew that we needed I just, something. I just want to say what a bummer, what a bummer for those, those people that didn't tell you, sorry, you can continue. <sighs> whatever um but we can say that it is looking back but looking back I'm just like how did how did no one say this and also oh my gosh things have changed so much right um and I think people are scared though at big loss that could happen to you and and I mean sudden like one that's very it was very like no one it wasn't right out of the blue yeah there's there was no slow decline yeah, (laughs) yeah yeah So I think, I think people get anxious about saying the wrong thing or not knowing what to do. And again, counseling therapy was like only for broken people. And again, that's not true. I think you should go particularly during good times because then you actually have the space to work through hard things. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> thank you i should tweet that <laughs> i have a private twitter or twitter so you can tweet it so then it actually gets retweeted by people um, I, actually, I actually don't have a twitter so okay well there you go well yeah. y'all heard it here congratulations i just say the phrase i don't actually have it okay perfect you're like co-sign right there right, yeah. um so yeah anyway i'm just a big fan so then what happened was my mom was like well these children have gone through this hugely traumatic experience they should get help of some kind and so she looked into grief camps which is a huge money-making industry um believe it or not I know it's funny you should laugh about it we have a very good sense of humor about this but a lot of grief camps are geared towards kids whose parents have died of cancer because that's like the most common reason for someone to die um, there are other ones maybe for like, uh, substance abuse and things like that where, but that wasn't my family's story. So my mom found this grave camp that was in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina in the mountains. And my siblings and I went for a week and it was oh my gosh. Uh, not helpful. 
I it was not it. Real. I can't believe this. You should make I a mean, comedy satire movie about this. No, it's like if I mean never gonna if I wrote a memoir, it'd be like a comedic series of essays, yeah. and this would be a chapter because yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it was it was something out of a movie. Truly, yeah. you're we're in the middle of nowhere well, the whole in the mountains. Is like out of a movie, right? Like how oh, many wait. times did you feel that? Like oh well, yes, and there were there were there are many and like legitimately funny things happen in terribly stressful and horrible times. It's why great comedy is frequently mm-hmm. built out of bad yes. things yes. um because like I mean seriously some of the funniest things happen or maybe some of the things that we think are tr- funny because we're just like looking for anywhere to laugh and mm-hmm. and have fun so my siblings and I now like we will spend an easily like an hour and a half once we get on this trail of talking about <laughs> grief camp and just like <laughs> rip roll right down it um hey remember it so- grief camp when <laughs> Right. So yeah, it was just, and like, it was, it was weird. It was four kids whose parents had died for any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a lot of really sad kids, which is just not a great yeah. time, but you're like also sometimes doing real summer camp activities. So you're like, like team sleepaway camp. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, let's go swim in the pool. Let's go on the blob. Let's go play this weird game. And then it's like, well, now it's group circle sharing time about your dead parent, um, which just really is a, is a bummer. Um, we did a hike where we carried a rock to represent our loss. Yeah. And then we carried the rock up the mountain and we put it at a cross to resemble turning our cares to Jesus and then we hiked down the mountain and got to swim in the and I'm just pond. glad you didn't say and then we threw it off the mountain. <laughs> Honestly, that would have probably been better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like forget the symbolism. Let's yeah. have a cathartic moment. Yeah. Um yeah, so it was like I my mom feels really bad because we rip on it. I totally understand that she was doing her best and it just was not the right fit. Um mm-hmm or maybe the best use of time and money, uh, probably again, like <laughs> having more specified counseling, not just like this one-off, like get it off the checklist type vibe, and which again, I, you guys can talk about now and like laugh about and bonded for life. Like, so special too. Like that's also like yes. incredible, incredible. Yes. I mean, so funny. So anyway, so that was my experience with counseling. I, I had never gone to counseling prior to my dad dying again, grew up in the cultural context I was in, in the South and in conservative evangelical Southern Baptist church at the time was not super like, and go get counseling. Both of those things don't say let's get mental health counseling help, unfortunately. No. So change your ways, communities, but you are. Good job. (laughs) My goodness. Wow. What a whirlwind. Whirlwind. (laughs) (laughs) seriously what a time what a time what a what a wild ride I would love to be a fly on the wall at grief camp I wonder if they still do it I'm sure they do oh they do I I looked it up to like make money right unfortunately right exactly uh well I do want to ask of course transitioning into like kind of what you're doing now with teaching yeah I want to ask how all of that like your dad passing away your grief like how did uh, did any of that influence like what you're doing now like if it did, like how so and all of that. That's a good question. Um, yes and no. Um, I always knew that I wanted to be a teacher to a degree. Um, and I 
was embarrassed about that because I was like, that is not what strong, independent women do. (laughs) That's ridiculous. And I wanted to be, you know, not like other girls, but here I am. Um, I've taught for the last five years. I actually am not teaching this upcoming year. I'm going to grad school full time. Um, So that's exciting. But I'm getting my master's in education. So I'll still be in the education mind headspace. Um, so to answer your question, um, I didn't become a teacher because of my experience, uh, with grief and and loss, but I do think it's made me a more, uh, empathetic person. Um, and, and particularly when, when it comes to my students, because I don't get to, uh, choose who's in my classroom. I'm a um, middle school and high school teacher. So I have a pretty large number of students. Um, and inevitably every year, you know, hard things happen and being able to be really understanding and, and be that supportive, trusted adult, um, in their lives and, and to be able to speak truth to them, um, from experience, not just from hope and like the, I don't know. I, I feel like I can really connect with them in a way that's meaningful and, and intentional and maybe advocate even for them um, with other adults in the building. Yeah. So I see it as a tool in my tool belt, um, but not necessarily uh, a source of inspiration. This is some tool belt. Like I need to see it. Like <laughs> Teachers tool belts are very fancy. We use it as a metaphor too much in education because we wear a lot of hats. So you got to have a lot of places to hook your hats, you know? I'm not going to lie. I've heard it before. So <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> I have a lot of teachers in my family. So yes. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, something also to note, like your dad was a professor, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So I'm sure like, was that the first instance like of you knowing someone that was a teacher? Or did you have teachers that influenced you when you were little? And that's why you were like, that's what I want to do? Or what What was what was like the seed? Um, well, basically, all the women in my family have been a teacher at some point. Um, so it was just what people did. Um, but also I'm a very avid, yes, very familiar. Um, a very avid reader. I I am to this day and I, Unfortunately, uh, it's my first name. So I like, I guess I kind of have to be, but yes, not that I'm not. I just also, I'm like, ah, it comes with the there's like so much with the name yes I don't I would say I'm sorry but as someone who loves to read I'm like well I don't know this is pretty it's awesome funny, I always say like I like to read things that I want to read and everyone people are always like well obviously and I'm like yeah but it's but I don't know like some people like to read just like everything and I'm like no I just want to read like books that I like I don't know. oh no I like to read everything yeah. um except for things that are really graphic and like scary um but basically everything else I'll try um <laughs> I'm like, ooh, really long food. form That's article. Really I'll pretty much like, eat. I'll pretty much like try anything, but I won't, maybe I won't stick with it forever. But. Oh, that's also very relatable. Same. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, my dad was a professor um, of law. So a little bit different than being yeah. a, a, you know, English teacher um, yeah. like I am. Um, but yeah, my mom is a teacher. She was a teacher before she had kids. She is a teacher now. Um, and I'm, was also the oldest sibling and incredibly bossy. So I was the kid that like had the little easel, sat my siblings down for their daily lessons as playtime and would like write quizzes for them. I, oh my but they goodness. couldn't read. 
I've so, done everything except the right quizzes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I was like making worksheets for them. And oh then goodness. when I got access, we had an in-home copy like machine. Mm-hmm. I could like make duplicates. <laughs> we were just, we were just raring to go. Wow. It really so, was de- like, if you didn't become a teacher, like everyone would have been like, what did you do? <laughs> precisely. Exactly. Uh, something would have been very, it was like that or be a lawyer. So right, right, right. I don't, I have a lot, hopefully a, a long life ahead of me. So who knows? There's still time. Um, you can be a lawyer. You, yeah. Exactly. It I'll does seem this. like a hard life though. And yeah. teaching is hard enough. So I'm it's good true. with this. Better pay. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, may we may get there in our lifetime. So you never know. You never you know. know. <laughs> yeah. So teaching has just kind of always been something that I gravitated towards. Um, and I really love it. Yeah. It's a good job. What do you love about middle school and high school? Because there's a lot of things I'm sure to love, but also things not to love. (laughs) I will say having taught every grade to some degree, except for 12th grade. So six, six through 11th I've covered in between student teaching and today. Um, I do prefer eighth grade and older for the record. <laughs> I will put that um, on a right. Let the record show. Um, <laughs> yes. And that is primarily because you can really have real conversations with them and start yeah. to ask them deeper questions. Um, that's not to say any kid that you ask, uh, particularly like engage in a conversation about something that makes them really excited, whether that's jumping rope or snakes or yeah. math. Um, they can say just the coolest, most fascinating things that you will have never thought of before. So every child at every stage has something interesting about them. Mm -hmm. And yet I find that eighth grade and older, they are funny. They're sarcastic. They, uh, are too cool to be interested in what you're, Mm -hmm. they're learning about. So then it's like just the most magical thing when you can flip the switch and you see the whole room on the edge of their seats, like, what in the world is about to happen? And that's where I get to use all of my experience with theater. Yeah. Like I use yeah. it all the time. Oh, that's great. In the classroom. I mean, I am well, the Hamilton teacher that's alone, like, right? <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just um, I well, I mentioned Hamilton on the show. I just, <laughs> I mean, we have used it for teaching poetry, so you were not wrong. But yeah. I'm like the teacher that's like on the, you know, has like dramatically fallen off my chair when a student says like a very exciting thing. <laughs> so I use my skills, uh, yeah, from yeah, yeah. It, they're not wasted on, uh, on me. Um, but yeah, I mean, English is also really fun to teach because it's just teaching stories. So yeah. I can pivot and be like, Oh, this is not working for my my students or, oh, now that I know my students, I can do this for a second semester. And I think that this will really hook them. And it's really, it's fun to be strategic and thoughtful about, uh, and to have the space. I I think there's only certain school environments where you can be that flexible. And I've been fortunate enough to, to have two experiences in the last five years. I've taught at two different schools where both were um, I was able to be really flexible, but regardless, I mean, even sixth graders, sixth graders are hysterical and they will let you know when you look a mess or like, <laughs> like what's under your eyes. Are those bags? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you need to go to sleep. And then it's like, right now I'm insulted, but tomorrow I will laugh about this. Yes, um, so yes, yes. 
again like siblings right yes 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 <laughs> these aren't age love so it's a little bit more complicated like imagine if you were an only child and you got there and you're like what right like someone's being brutally honest with me yeah. i'm not ready for this yeah yeah, yeah, yeah they're fun yeah um what do you have any like fun like kid stories or like like just moments is there one that jumps out jumps out at you I have 1,000 um, right, funny right. stories. I should need to choose them strategically. Um, well, okay, so I taught sixth grade my first year. At my first three years teaching, I taught at least one one grade or one class of sixth graders. And um, I, when I moved to St. Louis, I moved here over the summer and, and Missouri people start school in August. Um, so I was not really, really able to apply for jobs until I moved here. And I just didn't know. Um, so lesson learned. Um, and I got a job to fill a position, um, of a, of a teacher who had left suddenly in, um, a school here in St. Louis. And my first day in the building was Halloween, which if you have ever been in the a school building, on Halloween, you know, it's a terrible day. Um, every teacher dreads Halloween. I think, I mean, it's fun, but yeah. the vibe is just at a 10. It was like also a super moon, which I did not believe in the moon impacting people until I was a teacher. And now I'm like, eh. Oh, I don't believe it. I, I'm I, listen, <sighs> I've been in the school. I've worked in the school system and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. Every day is kind of crazy, but you were like once a month, you're like, this is extra, this is off the walls. This is, the stuff is happening. Um, so maybe it's just teachers talk about it that I'm like, maybe it's real, but I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe it just depends on the school too. Um, That's- it was certainly true, at least in one of my schools. Um, so my first day was Halloween. And so I, as where I was shadowing and then I for real started the following week. And within a month, so I was very new to what was going on and the rhythms and routines of being a teacher. Um, I, yeah, not long thereafter, we took our students on a field trip to see uh, hidden figures. I was teaching an all girls school. So hidden figures, I mean, hidden figures in general, everyone should see. It's like a really, particularly in an education setting, it's really useful. Great. There's a lot to talk about, um, but I great. was That's teaching a great that. Field trip. And all girls school, right? We were very excited. Awesome. Uh, at the time, it was a pretty new school, so we were pretty small. So someone or an organization like very generously gifted us the chance to go. So we were under very strict orders, though, of what students were and were not allowed to bring because they there was a one field trip that had been that happened previously that was a movie, but it wasn't in a movie theater. I don't know where it was because I wasn't there. And students had been allowed to bring like all these snacks and like pillows. It was like a sleepover type thing without being a sleepover. I was with my advisory um, or like homeroom. And I was like, all right, y'all, I just got to quickly check with you. This, this is what you can, can have. If you have any of the items that I am not listing. Um, you need to just leave them in here. I'll lock my door and we'll get them when we get back. And one of my students was like, I I'm good. I'm good. And I was like, awesome. Yeah. I see you just have your fanny pack on you. You're good to line up. And so she is lining up. I'm checking everyone else. And I turn around and I kid you not, this kid has pulled 
a gallon bag of a colored drink like liquid like Gatorade or Kool-Aid or something like in a bag like in a in bag. a gallon bag and has opened the edge of it and is pouring it into her mouth and I was just like <laughs> jaw drop I mean I just was wow and she was like you said I could not bring Gatorade or Kool-Aid or anything but I wanted it and I figured if it wasn't in a bottle it would be fine (laughs) no this is worse this is so much worse it's like confiscated from her and she was like literally crying for the rest of the day that I took her Kool-Aid from her and I was like well I don't know what to tell you kid that's why I don't like teaching this grade but it was also one of my fun like thanks most and I was like Oh, and I asked her, I was like, well, how are you planning on drinking this secretly in the movie theater? Like, we would have caught you. And she's like, well, I was just going to dip my hand in and (laughs) drink from it. And we were like, now, particularly post-COVID or because of COVID, I'm like, all the germs. Listen, I would have just gotten a straw from the concession. Right. That's what I was expecting her to say. Like, you could have done this. But she was in sixth grade, so she hadn't thought that part through. Instead, she's just like about to pour it well, all over herself. Now? Inventing new inventions somewhere else. I hope so. I hope good things for her. <laughs> <laughs> We're putting but, that out there. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. it was very funny. It was a good uh, introduction to what to to always expect the unexpected as a middle school teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something you probably don't know about me is that on a, on a daily, on a reg, honestly, like once a month, I'm like, I could teach English. Do it. The world uh, needs more English teachers. Well, I, I don't know if I want to do education. I, I definitely, I thought that in the past, but um, I, I remember reading um, Perks Being a Wallflower in high school, which is like one of my favorite books ever. And I still to this day will say that so many people should read it. And, and honestly, like adults should read it more than kids because I feel like adults like don't remember it often anyway that's a whole other discussion but that yes. book in particular and I took a class I don't know if you ever had Miss Trumbo um in high school I did yes I loved her but I took and my sister and I talked about this too on a episode that she was on about like that American literature class I took with her like so many of those books influenced me um all of this to say is that like what do you love about teaching English and also like do you ever like read a book and you're like oh I can't wait to like teach that book uh yes and yes I can talk about both those things um <laughs> this is like a whole nother episode. books and me have a very intense relationship um I love teaching English I would not teach any other content area besides English um what is most fun about it uh is oh there's so many fun things well first of all it's just fun to get excited about it and and uh I think students can tell when I'm not excited uh, to teach something <laughs> when I have to teach it. And so then I just tell them like, I don't want to teach this, but I have to. And hopefully some of y'all love this, but I don't love it. And that's okay. And frequently I'm the very first person that has ever said that to a student of like, oh, yeah. I hate those. This sucks. Yeah. Um, like I'm on the record for hating Romeo and Juliet. It's super fun whoa, to teach. Whoa. Love it. Teaching it. I know it's a hot take, but Romeo and Juliet is just like, Ranking okay, what about like very low that spawned off it though like high school musical like come on yeah but <laughs> technically Romeo and Juliet is trope that existed even before then of like star crest lovers 
Shakespeare invented the term, but not the actual trope. So yeah, we attribute him with a lot that maybe, like you know, I mean, he's amazing. It's just, it's just, no, I love Shakespeare. Oh, okay, just okay. Romeo and Juliet's overrated. Um, but it's super fun to teach and students love it. So, I mean, I won't turn down an opportunity to teach it, but in general, I like reading books that make students realize that their world is bigger than they they realized um and also realized that their own lived experiences are unique uh and also not unique like they're not alone and and you yeah. can find friendship and community and commonality in the books that you read um I'm a really big fan of student voice and choice in the classroom so we do a lot of book clubs and choice books and I encourage students to read a book that in- makes them excited and to abandon books that make them bored and uh, I mean I, I primarily for the last two years taught eighth grade English so there's not a lot of pressure to like read this seminal work of literature it's like <laughs> just like read and write about it and get better at writing about what you read and understanding yeah. it um so it works it's worked pretty well for the last two years they've done well and and learned a lot and makes it more fun for me when they're excited um and feel like they can bring something to the table and they're not just hearing me talk about a book is there one book that you've taught that you're most excited about um I really oh man I mean I like they've all been really yeah, yeah, yeah. fun and and had their own place <laughs> in some ways yeah um I I mean the outsiders is just a really cool experience to teach um Every year that I've taught it, there's like several kids in class at the end, like wiping away some tears, <laughs> which is just like really sweet. And um, it's a book I that, I read that one. I'll have to read it. It's good. It's short. It's like a you could read it in a day or two days. Um, it's not very long. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really dramatic. It's about uh, two gang, well, really one gang, um, and, and specifically one gang member, um, in Oklahoma and his name is pony boy. And he, you follow him along a series of incredibly unfortunate events and you just are rooting so hard for him and his family and, um, his one gang member, Johnny, Johnny's like just a really incredible character. And, um, yeah, it's just a really really eighth grade book like it's yeah. just very angsty and yeah. um oh, I'm sad and they that. I'm all about that <laughs> there's like some cursing in it and guns I mean and... Olivia I mean listen Olivia Rodrigo is like that's that's right like, right no exactly like uh, and my students came in after listening to Olivia Rodrigo and they're like I feel like if we because we we did like a sound make a soundtrack for the outsiders mm-hmm. and write about why you chose these songs very classic English assignment right. and um favorite one of my students was like I wish we'd had Olivia Rodrigo's album because it would have been so perfect for <laughs> the outsiders I was like I know yeah um well and Romeo yeah. and Juliet to a certain extent too oh my gosh I know I wish we'd had time to do that they would have crushed it yeah. um yeah. so yeah it, it's just fun like I, there's a lot to talk about there's a lot of like yeah. and they feel like they're just really being reading something that's kind of grown up and um that's for many of them, the first time that they've read something that's very like feels grown. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be read in like eighth and ninth grade. So it's very appropriate for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just the first time they're realizing like, oh, 
Okay. Wow. But it's this also not scandalous. like a fin or something like that where they like can't relate to too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and there's less like a controversial language usage as yeah. in a uh, hook fin. Yeah. Um, so yes, it feels relatable, um, even if you know none of them have ever yeah. been in a gang. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, well, I do want to know because I often ask people this, regardless of their career. But like, what type of advice would you give? for people that are going into teaching or maybe even just specifically teaching English or anything like that? Um, yeah. So my advice would be to, uh, understand that the first year is really, really hard. Um, and you can take every class and have every opportunity, um, when you're an undergrad to, hone your skills as an educator, but it is not until you have students and parents sitting in front of you or on the phone. Um, and you have to own like, Oh my gosh, I'm responsible for these kids actually learning this content that will be tested at the end of the year. Um, and it, it's a learning how to manage a group of students in a classroom. And it's, all fun and games until you have one really hard class that just makes you question everything. And, mm. and the fact of the matter is when you're a teacher, and I think this is true probably for any job, you're not alone um, in the, in the classroom, even though you, you technically are in many cases, um, but there's a whole group of people at your fingertips, whether that's through um, your, your friends in the building um, or mentors in the building or people that you met through your undergrad experience or student teaching yeah. or even online. Like I've made some really good teacher friends that I've actually never met in person yeah. um, just through connecting um, online. And so being willing to like ask for help, advocate for yourself and connect with other people and commiserate with them and then help them or ask for help um, to get a game plan um, to get it together in, in your classroom. Um, and specifically speaking to classroom management, um, ultimately knowing all their names and letting them know every day that you are on their side and cheering them on, even when it's something really mundane, like the learning the definition of a simile, mm-hmm. um, or on a really hard day where they just want to quit and don't want to write like that relationship and knowing what sports they play and asking about them and saying hello to them as they come in the room actually really does go a really long way. And it helps yeah. if you start that early on in the year, but, and being known as the teacher, like doesn't take any crap from their students really goes a long way. So if you just tell your students that that's who you are, goes a long way. <laughs> I love so it. yeah, but yeah, cheering them on, letting them know that you're there is really helpful. And, um, but the world needs more teachers. So if you mm. want to be a teacher, you guys have enough. We have a shortage actually. So, mm. and arguably that's for many reasons, which we're not going to get into right now. We do not have time. It's a whole nother conversation. Another, another five hour podcast, whatever. Um, exactly. <laughs> can talk about that one all day as well. well um, I do want to ask you, cause you mentioned you're going to grad school. Like what, what are you, what are you excited about that? But also like, what do you plan on? Like, where do you see yourself in like five years with that? Great question. I'm not sure. Um, I, so I, well, I'm sure about grad school five years. We'll see. Um, I'm going to grad school to get my master's in education in 
specifically focusing on learning design, innovation, and technology. Um, so oh, that's cool. probably picked up as a thread as I'm talking about teaching these like common themes of connection with students and voice and choice and uh, connecting with what interests them with what's in the classroom. And um, as I have written my own curriculum for the last five years uh, and in collaboration with some of my coworkers, but predominantly myself, I have realized that uh, A, there's way more for me to learn about how to best design curriculum. So it's like the learning design component. Um, and also I really like being innovative and creative. And I think that there are ways to, there are many things that we know about the way that people learn and learn best that aren't best applied in the classroom. So I wanna be able to connect those through to through innovation and technology. Um, so I'm very excited about my coursework. I'm very excited to be a student again. It's just oh, being a student is so fun. <laughs> it's uh, in many really... ways I feel the complete opposite, but <laughs> uh, it's so nice to like just check things off my yeah. list and be like, I am done with this forever. Yeah. Um, well, after a year and a half of not—I mean, to, to a certain extent, probably not being able to check off many things. I'm sure it will be. Done. Yes, yes, that particularly—that's a good point. Yes, that does go well, really well. It goes really. Yeah, feels great. Um, And so in five years, um, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I love teaching. I just want to let you know, like, you don't have to have, I know. I was just wondering. Well, I have, I I know it. No, it's fine. I I think uh, one of the hardest parts about being a teacher is deciding whether you want to keep teaching. Um, And frankly, it's, there are low incentives to stay a full-time teacher in the classroom um, between pay and, um, the many aspects that come with uh, standardized testing and teacher evaluation. Um, And if you're in a really healthy school and a healthy school, well, your school district doesn't even have to be healthy for the school to be healthy, um, Mm -hmm. though it it definitely helps. Um, It can be incredible. I mean, I've had some really amazing experiences as a teacher and um, love it. But yeah, there's some elements to which it's really hard to say, wow, I want to, I want to be in the classroom and not get paid a lot and work way over my allotted hours and not have a lot of perks. And yes, I do have summers off, but uh, we have to spend a lot of money over the summer to have our summers off um, with the teacher learning programs and um, working on curriculum development for the upcoming year. And it's just kind of relentless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am, I'm not sure. I think it's a 50, 50 shot if I'll be in the classroom or part-time in the classroom, part-time in some administrative position, um, like an instructional coach, which is kind of like a mentor teacher to um, younger teachers uh, or curriculum development. Um, but I could also see myself working uh, on kind of like the industry side of education in the techno- educational technology curriculum development world. Um, both are have their own pros and cons. Um, right. And we'll just see. I'm excited to see yeah. what happens. Hopefully I'll have some more guidance. I should, hopefully <laughs> I'll have employment this time next year. I don't know. <laughs> that is the goal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's great. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, well, like I said, we'll come back at you and 
yeah hopefully i'll have some more interesting things to talk. maybe i'll just get panic and i'll just do my phd instead <laughs> <laughs> oh man well uh of course um wrapping up here i do ask every guest two questions at the end of the show as listeners know and the first one being of course if i was able to one day not right now unfortunately <laughs> hand you a blank check and say use this towards your passion how would you use that I would, I would <laughs> use my money to build out epic classroom libraries and all of my, in my classroom and then in all of my other English teacher classrooms in the building full of interesting, engaging, and diverse literature that reflects many different life experiences and reading levels mm-hmm. and formats graphic novels are books folks let them read if they're excited about it let them read you heard it from me um and i have i support i support um i have programming geared towards training the teachers on how to access and best use those those classroom libraries and then uh, systems for, for returning, checking them out because most schools now, or a lot of schools are, don't have full, uh, school libraries, um, which again, pros and cons. Um, I, I do, I love having a classroom library. So I'm a fan. That would be how I'd spend my money. That's great. I love it. Oh, so good. (laughs) And, uh, what is something that you're loving right now? Sorry. Well, it's, things. It can be yeah, so I am on summer break. Um, I'm doing Which some words? classes uh, for grad school, um, but I'm not working. Um, so, and, and I'm moving and <laughs> to a new state um, and I'm very excited. I, I'm yeah. excited about that. So currently uh, my, my things I'm loving are is like a really good tape dispenser for packing boxes. <laughs> um, my pool membership for being able to get outside. Um, and uh, I'm a big fan of uh, my Kindle because it's very tiny and I can just bring it with me everywhere. And I, again, am a huge reader. Um, so I, I basically am always like listening to podcasts or books or reading a book. Um, that's like where you, you can find me. Uh, so, you know, you Kindle, can't do that as comfortably, sponsor, but you know, if you want not a sponsor, but maybe you should, sorry, not an ad, not an ad. Okay. It's okay. I mean, that basically was an ad. So, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. You, so, you know, if you want to I love a good out, book. I'll take, I'll take it. Right. <laughs> uh, well, I also love to answer this question to end the show on some, fun positivity. yeah uh i am well i'm loving friendship that's what i'm one of the things because i mean also that the world i mean i feel like i've been saying this the past couple episodes but the world truly is opening up more and it's just like yes incredible i got to visit one of my best friends in georgia this past weekend um and that was crazy and we, i haven't seen him in like over almost two years so that was weird and very exciting so i'm loving that um but i'm also loving uh loki on disney plus which i'm watching yes. any I, I i've watched all the marvel shows wandavision was my absolute favorite like it it gosh it just gave me so much joy it 
it was such an incredible story the way they handled it anyway i've talked about it on the show before go watch that but loki is so different and like it's just so exciting and really what marvel is doing with their tv shows is just like unlike anything marvel in general i'm just like how are you doing this like how are we all just like accepting this (laughs) I have no idea, but I'm also so into it. And one of those predictions. All of MCU, like WandaVision's in the top five for me because it was so great. Um, I think Loki might be in the top five for me, though. Like it would beat out WandaVision for me right now. If every episode was like last week, then yes, it would. But every. We'll see how they can stick the landing. I'm not sure. If ever because WandaVision, I felt every episode was incredible. I don't think there was a bad one. Maybe the first one, but. Um, I liked how like uh, I don't almost like wink wink to the camera yeah. uh, the first episode of WandaVision yeah. oh yeah was. For sure. it was fun it was a fun experience I mean it was unlike anything I'd seen before and I think that's what's fun about the, the Marvel TV shows in general or the MCU in general it's just yeah. like kind of amazing I just have so much awe and respect for the storytellers that are on that team yeah. it's just amazing incredible incredible well we can talk about this for hours and hours i know so many things to talk about (laughs) um but i do we do we have to go watch loki so we have to go (laughs) yes i know well thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it i am so appreciative that you took the time um i know you know like everyone says they're busy but um i'm just every time i'm just so thankful people you know take the time out of their their schedules to do it so thank you and I was going to say, I guess people can find you in St. Louis, but not anymore. So <laughs> you can find me in Boston, Massachusetts, in Boston, you know, yes. uh, and you can follow uh, um, her, you know, if you want to keep up with her, her wonderful dog and her journey, uh, you know, go, go follow her. We'll have all of that in the show notes below. Uh, and all of that but uh, you guys also know the drill follow us on all the social media passionproject.pod support us if you want that's a new feature you guys can support the show up to you if you want but you definitely can do that i would be appreciative down below but yeah we uh we thank you again i'm just so elated that you decided to do it yeah, well, thank you for having me. And thank you for all you do, getting people to talk about their passions. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool experience and it's cool to hear other people's stories as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.